0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, welcome to The Daily Digest with me, Sha Ik and Lim Suan. So today we are discussing an article that was previously published on the Ministry of Health's My Health Portal, which has been receiving quite a lot of criticisms on social media over the past couple of days um, for its, uh, well, let's say, misogynistic take on why sexual harassment occurs uh, primarily among women. And uh, so we'll be breaking down the contents of this article and uh, we'll be speaking to a women's right activists on why some of the messaging that was put forth in this article uh, is problematic and uh, more generally what we can do to change society's mindset about uh, sexual harassment uh, moving forward
1: and so if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us about our topic today you can tweet us at BFM radio you can also WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine so yes
0: this article uh, that we uh, uh, started talking about is titled emotional impact on sexual harassment victims and uh, as I mentioned, it was published on the Ministry of Health's official educational portal called My Health Uh, and it's uh, been facing plenty of backlash on social media the last few days. So this article was actually first published back in 2016 but according to Malaysia Kinney it was brought to a light on Twitter recently by health journalist and Code Blue editor-in-chief Bu Sulin. So Sulin um, you know, screen capped the article and then uh, she tweeted that this piece has no business being on a health website much less um, by the Ministry of Health. Uh, she wrote please delete the article. Men engage in sexual harassment by abusing their power over women, especially in the workplace. It has nothing to do with the way women dress. Um, apart from her tweet, former Deputy Minister of Women and Community Development Hannah Yo, also tweeted in response to this article. She wrote, I have been alerted about this article. This is absolutely wrong. Uh, KKM Putrajaya must remove this. Mm.
1: So among the factors, you know, the the article cited several factors that, you know, causes sexual harassment and among um, those that were cited, uh, one of them included physical attractiveness and charming personality Um, and to quote what was written in there, sexy and attractive body shapes are a dream of every human, especially women we often forget that it invites problems such as sexual harassment. Predators who like women's body shape will try to get close to them and do immoral actions Now that's not all factors that was cited Um, it was another one was unsuitable clothing style and uh, uh, to quote the article again women and girls do dress up in a very sexy way to reveal parts of their bodies assuming that it's beautiful and sexy in the eyes of others this could indirectly lead to sexual harassment as the opposite sex is tempted to do so and um, the article also brought up unrestricted social interactions and touches on how um, in this modern era there are no restrictions when it comes to men and women mingling with one another and so that leads to sexual. Sexual harassment.
0: Yes, um, you know, that said, uh, there were some uh, other points that the article brings up uh, that uh, were more neutral. Um, you know, one, one good point was uh, that uh, the, the power dynamics between men and women, especially at workplace, uh, uh, is also a contributing factor to sexual harassment. So the article touched on how, in general, men have more power over women at workplaces and therefore this power can be abused to pressure female employees to... Commit sexual acts, uh, otherwise risk their careers. Um, unfortunately, uh, on balance, these points were not as properly articulated, um, nor did it cite proper research to back them up.
1: Hmm. Now, other issues that were pointed out um, in the article did not did, didn't didn't just include the factors, right? But it also continues in the section that's aimed at providing solutions to sexual harassment. So, one example um, being one of the solutions cited to stop sexual harassment is for women to not work overtime, so um, they said that, you know, women should be bringing their work back and if they're walking home, you know, they should always be accompanied by friends. And I guess the problem with this is that, you know, it places the burden of responsibility on women instead of addressing why harassment happens.
0: Yes. Uh, and and I think, um, you know, we don't just, we shouldn't just focus on this article alone uh, to, to, you know, point out the problems that women face when it comes to uh, getting, uh, you know, acknowledgement when They have been sexually harassed. Mm. And I think, um, you know, over many shows uh, where we have talked to women's rights activists uh, in particular, uh, you know, society's uh, uh, perception Mm. uh, of gender roles and gender norms uh, uh, put women, uh, uh, you know, Women are uh, at a disadvantage uh, when it comes to uh, speaking up about sexual harassment. So uh, what we want to highlight is that narratives like this uh, continue to perpetuate uh, this misconception and continue to make it difficult uh, for women to speak up and to be able to even report sexual harassment Mm. for people to take them seriously. That's
1: right. And education has to be comprehensive and targeted at everyone regardless of gender and not just on women themselves. Yeah,
0: so you know in light of this backlash uh, related to the Ministry of Health article um, it has since been taken down from the My Health portal uh, but of course uh, you know many uh, quarters have also pointed out that the article has been up since 2016 uh, you know and that's quite a number of years already so there is a good chance that over the years many people um, who have come across it you know have read the article and I um, well, in response, uh, the DG, Tansri Dr Nohisham, uh, responded to say that the article, and I quote here, reflects the personal opinion of the writer and not the health ministry. And so he said the ministry has taken steps to review articles published on the My Health Portal in recent years to ensure that the information provided is evidence-based and is in line with current health issues. And um, on top of that, uh, Health Minister Dr Adam, Adam Baba, um, in a WhatsApp exchange with news portal The Vibes, Um, told the Vibes that nobody from the higher authorities in the ministry allowed this article to be published. Uh, However, uh, quoting the Vibes uh, reporting on this, um, the portal noted that the minister did not actually respond to further questions when asked if he agreed that the contents were inappropriate and inaccurate. He also did not respond to the question on whether the ministry will initiate an internal investigation on the matter. Mm.
1: And while we were preparing for this show just a few hours ago, you you might have come across some of those. Um, tweets, if you will, on social media. Netizens have taken to Twitter to point out um, a couple of other questionable articles as well on the My Health portal. So one example is an article from 2013 which claims that um, women women tend to become lesbians if they quote-unquote prioritise their career or if they again quote-unquote further their studies. So as of now, um, the Ministry of Health has yet to comment on or respond to these other articles that were brought up. But really for our segment today we want to focus on... Uh, we will be focusing on the problematic views that were highlighted in the initial article on sexual harassment and we want to unpack um, some of the points you know, that were raised in that article. Yes. So on that note, we'll go for a very quick break um, but after that when we
0: come back, we will speak to Hannah Jambunaden, Capacity Building Officer um, at the Women's Aid Organisation or WAO um, and we will be discussing with her why the messages in the article are problematic uh, from a women's rights perspective especially and hopefully we'll be able to look at how we can change the general, the overall narrative surrounding sexual harassment and be able to look at um, solutions uh, to better protect women. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture with me Tisha Ik and Lim Suen. So before the break we discussed the contents of an article that has uh, been under some uh you know controversy uh, an article that was published on the Ministry of Health my portal uh, my health portal excuse me. And uh, this is an article that uh, stated that some of the contributing factors to sexual harassment include um physical attractiveness of a woman, unsuitable clothing and uh, even working late at night.
1: Mm. So there's a lot to unpack um, and debunk there. So joining us on the line right now to help us do exactly that is Hannah um the Capacity Building Officer at Women's Aid Organisation, or more commonly known as WAO. Oh, so welcome to the show, Hannah. Now, what were your immediate thoughts when you came across the article?
2: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, my immediate thoughts when I came across the content of the article was just like disbelief, frustration, and just an overwhelming sense of wariness that this narrative continues and continues to be pushed, especially by government authorities.
0: Alright, Hannah, you mentioned government authorities, but yesterday um, the health DG Tansri, Dr Nohisham, did respond to say that this is the personal opinion of the writer and not that of the Ministry of Health. So what are your thoughts based on that response?
2: Okay, so regardless if it was the personal opinion of the writer or not, the piece was endorsed by KKM, by the Ministry of Health, by means of publishing it on their official website. And government authorities, government government sites act as educational resources to shape public opinion. So the effects that an article like this uh, endorsing perspectives like this has a detrimental effect on shaping opinions to create a fair and just society. And on that note, it's, if the piece does not reflect MOH's stance on the issue then there should be further clarity on what their stance is. It's not good enough to say that this is a personal opinion. It doesn't reflect MOH's stance. So what is MOH's stance? And let's just hope that it's going to be a survivor-centric one. Mm.
1: So now the article attributes women's uh, quote-unquote sexy body shape as one of the reasons for why sexual harassment occurs. Um,
2: uh, how true is this, you know, and can you validate it? I refuse to validate, <laughs> validate that. it's completely untrue. Because firstly, what constitutes a quote-unquote sexy body shape? And how can a woman even be blamed for something that's beyond her control, the shape of her body? I really don't think that this is, a, this is a valid to be cited as a reason why sexual harassment occurs because women get harassed regardless of their shape or their size or even their age.
0: What about unsuitable clothing style? You know, the argument that when women dress up in a very sexy way, this will tempt the opposite sex to to sexually harass them. What are the problems with this view?
2: I think this idea that, firstly, to say that women like to dress up in a very sexy way is already a, a generalized statement that doesn't have much backing is this based on data, <laughs> you know, but, and it also sends a very harmful message of like tempting the opposite sex to sexually harass. Is, that, is this does that mean to send a message that men cannot control their sexual desires or their nafsu at all? I think that sends a really terrible message. And no, I don't think this argument makes sense at all because women experience sexual harassment, irrespective of what they wear, whether they are dressed in a baju or whether they are wearing a bikini Men still get harassed. What causes sexual harassment is harassers, not what a woman wears, what her body looks like or what her working hours are. Hmm.
1: Now, Hannah, what about unrestricted social interactions, which was um, cited in the article, you know, is the fact that women are allowed to mingle with men without restrictions
2: a contributing factor
1: to sexual harassment?
2: All the things that I'm saying so far are just like, no, no, no. And I strongly refute this also. You know, so much of the logic behind this article fails me. Women are often harassed by men that they know, yes, but are also often harassed by strange men on the street, in public spaces, men who they don't interact with at all. So what's the the basis of this argument? And if that's the case, then if there's any validity to this argument, then the conversation needs to be geared more to work how we can all work towards healthy, consensual and safe interactions between men and women. Because it's 2021. We can't be expected to live in a society where genders exist in separate spaces, in silo.
0: So if it's not the clothes that women wear or the so-called sexy figures, then why do people, um, and especially women, still continue to get sexually harassed?
2: So... Sexual harassment is a form of gender-based violence. And like any form of GBV, when there's a power imbalance between genders and one party makes a con- conscious choice to misuse and abuse that power to control and exert power over the other, that's when sexual harassment happens. You know, And sexual harassment and victim blaming are a part of a larger culture which is commonly identified by the term rape culture which is essentially can be understood as an environment, a social environment that allows sexual harassment, sexual violence to be normalized and justified and all this fueled by the persistent gender inequalities that we see happening to women every day. This power imbalance comes from the fundamental understanding that there is gender inequality. And there's gender inequality because one gender, men, have more power than women. There's financial power. There's social power. There's economic power. So a way to think about power dynamics between the genders can be in the workplace, where there's a male boss and a female employee. And often there, there's a power dynamic that has to do with the woman's career and career development, career growth, her job security, her financial insecurity, there's so much power imbalance there. And sexual harassment in the workplace occurs when this boss chooses to use his power to make his female employee uncomfortable and harass her. So with
1: that in mind why do views like this continue to be perpetuated and why do we have you know a lot of people in society who think that sexual harassment happens because women don't cover up from head to toe you
2: know where does this mindset or notion stem from Again it stems from some really archaic notions on gender that many of us still hold um like i had said earlier this idea that men's nafsu or sexual desire cannot be restrained and, you know, that women need to police their bodies and behaviours or everyone needs to police women's bodies and behaviours in order to accommodate for this inability of men to restrain themselves, which is not the case at all. This is this is a, a ridiculous premise. Men need to be held accountable for their ac- actions and women should be allowed to live life freely instead of taking strange extra measures like dressing a certain way and, you know, not working late in order to avoid violence. This entire mindset of, you know, sexual harassment happening because women don't cover up from head to toe, it stems from a larger notion of victim blaming, which is to blame a woman's clothing or body shape or any reason as the reason that they get harassed What victim blaming does is that it places the blame for any sort of gender-based violence squarely on the victim while absolving the perpetrator from guilt or fault. And this is a really harmful practice because it it refuses to address the problem. And the problem is gender-based violence, not what the woman is wearing. So there are some who
1: argue that it's not necessarily victim blaming, not all the time, anyway. You know, um, people argue that parents, for example, tell their daughters to dress up a certain way or behave a certain way as a precautionary measure. Now, is that okay? Well,
2: firstly, if someone robs you, it's the robber's fault, not your fault. I get that there's concerns about safety of women, and. As a woman living in Malaysia, I constantly live in fear of violence. You know, I can't do a simple thing like walk on the streets or walk to my car in a, in a car park without feeling an overwhelming sense of fear. While this worry is valid, and no one here is promoting that, you know, women shouldn't take safety precautions. Everyone, regardless of their gender, should take safety precautions. The The truth of the matter is we don't live in an ideal world where crime and violence doesn't occur. But when it comes to sexual harassment, and again, coming back to the term gender-based violence, this is violence that happens disproportionately to one gender over another. And if we continue to norm this idea that women have to bear the responsibility of looking after their own safety, then when is the problem ever going to be addressed? And if you think about it, there are many laws that protect against robbery and murder, for example, but are there laws that protect against sexual harassment?
0: So Hannah, what can we do to change this patriarchal mindset and this narrative?
2: Great question. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna like circle back I'm just gonna circle back to why it's important first that we change this narrative. When we victim blame, it creates a culture in which victims who are, are already traumatised and struggling with their experience of violence or harassment, they receive a clear message that their experience won't be taken seriously and that they will be the ones who are sacred this responsibility. And the blame, it is blame at the end of the day, uh, despite what people want to call it, advice or precautions it's blame because you're placing the responsibility on someone to care solely for her safety and so when that safety gets jeopardized you blame her for it which is completely unfair and it really creates a culture in which victims and survivors of violence cannot be safe to come forward with their experiences of violence and why is it important that they do that it's important that they do that so that we can eradicate violence if no one is talking about violence how can we eradicate it and normalizing victim blaming contributes to normalizing violence against women it contributes to normalizing sexual harassment and to a larger extent it contributes to normalizing rape and sexual assault which is a major no it needs to be a concerted effort from everyone because this you know these gender inequalities this culture of victim blaming is so embedded it's something that we've learned over generations. Um, so a lot of things need to happen. In our, in our everyday, we can practice undoing rape culture and victim blaming by in small actions. Small actions that mean really big things, you know. Avoid objectification of women and disrespectful language. And I would say this especially applies to men who sometimes in groups with other men feel as if it's necessary to exert this kind of actions on women in order to to amplify their quote unquote manliness so understand the serious consequences of gender based violence and how this can impact someone and when you think about it like that you realize that this is no this is no joking matter and on that note stop joking about gender based violence and Perhaps the most important thing we can do is to listen to survivors. They have they have no reason to want to lie about their gender their experience of gender-based violence. It's something that's deeply deeply traumatizing and troubling with really big impacts on one's physical and mental health. And most importantly, even if the whole of society practices, you know, practices, good practices in not victim-blaming and listening to survivors. They can't be changed if there's no legal reform and support. You know, when accountability mechanisms are weak, perpetrators of harassment are emboldened to continue abusing their power and they are able to harass with impunity. Our existing legal framework needs to change and it needs to enact, we need to enact a sexual harassment act. And this will send a clear message to survivors that they will be protected and supported and send an equally clear message to harassers that there will be recourse and there is no excuse for abuse. It's, it's a long game and we all have a, a, a stake in playing it to win. We need to, We need to work towards educating our sons and our daughters to have respect. Essentially, that's what it comes down to. When there's respect, regardless of someone's gender then that works towards undoing sexual harassment and seeing women as inferior to men.
0: Alright, thank you so much for speaking with us today, Hannah. That was Hannah Jambunathan, Capacity Building Officer at the Women's Aid Organisation, or WAO, and she was helping us understand um, why victim blaming is wrong when we uh, talk about sexual harassment and, um, you know, what should be the approach to try and understand the causes and the reasons for sexual harassment.
1: Mm. And you can share your thoughts with us by tweeting us at BFM Radio or WhatsApp us at 18 789 um, If you have any Anything you'd like to share on the matter? We have Arul on Twitter saying that you know yes, people get attracted to the beauty of the woman, but that does not give um someone the um liberty to sexually harass someone, mm. right? It's it's um it's it's really what Hannah was talking about, you know respect, that should, yeah. it's respect, yeah. You know just because if if something is left out there, for example, you wouldn't steal something from someone just because it was left there irresponsibly. Mm. It's the same sort of um.
0: Idea you, behind mm, it,
1: you wouldn't, uh, mm.
0: Suen. But uh, the problem, I guess, is that uh, people think it's okay too, mm. uh, and and so that's that's the mindset that you know, like Hannah said, it's a long game. It's it's been decades of really pushing back against that kind of thinking and those kinds of norms. That be, the, the 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 fact that we call them norms, right? Mm. It means it's almost concretized <laughs> in people's thinking, and we're really just chipping away at it.
1: But I, I guess that's what we can do right right now it's slowly chipping away Mm -hmm. at it and hopefully one day you know we will break it down completely so every little bit counts Mm, that's true um we also have paul who whatsapped in uh whatsapped in to say that you know we um to say, oh, one moment. To say that this is also happening in Parliament by some lawmakers who normalize it, and 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 yes, I guess we have seen. You know, there have been reports of certain MPs who have made sexually offensive um, comments or remarks about their fellow female MPs, and mm. it's it, it can be discouraging. I think when you see media reports of. Um, People in policy making um, mm. um, policy making positions or positions of authority, yeah, mm. making those comments because you know we we always hear lead by example, right? And that is, um, I guess, not the example that we want to see. Yes, and uh, you know. The The conversation about sexual harassment, I think
0: every woman has had some experience with it. Uh, and very often, uh, what I hear from friends uh, or, or um, acquaintances who have encountered uh, sexual harassment, who have been sexually harassed, is always just a little bit of like, yeah, I didn't really bring it up because, you know, I... I I thought maybe people would tell me it's nothing Mm. Uh, and uh, for so long uh, that's sort of what we've been conditioned to think that just deal with it you know it's a small thing it didn't hurt you right Uh, and and so that's something that even for women uh, we really need to just sort of like you know get that thought out of our heads uh, when it happens to us and um uh, you know, look for support around so that we can voice it out. And you know, Because if we don't voice out about it, um, it's never going to be taken seriously then. I know it's difficult. It's a lot easier said than done in many ways. Uh, but it's kind of like one of the, you know, if, if the norms uh, dictate that uh, women are being blamed for sexual harassment, then it's like, I feel like we just have to keep shouting about the mm. fact that it's not right. You mm. know.
1: And, you know, if someone is trying to open up to you about these things, it's important to keep in mind that, you know, just to listen to what they're saying and to not brush it off, to not dismiss it. Even if, you know, you, you may not have had, had that experience, it's understanding that person's point of view because like you said, Shaoui, it's not always easy for someone to speak up about this, right? Mm. And to have and if you if someone does choose to speak up about it only to have it shot down, mm. it sort of perpetuates the these norms yes, and right. like so many other shows that we've done, you know we've had um so many women's rights activists who've come on and say that it's the little things at first, and you never know when it could escalate into something more serious that's and that's true. the and that's mm. always the
0: worry that's
1: true so um
0: that the 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 fact that if you think uh it's a little Absolutely right. So, and yeah, the, you, you brush off the little things, um, but then, you know, that's how grooming happens mm. and, and and then it builds up to even more serious forms of gender-based violence. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, all the time that we have for this discussion today. Uh, but if you missed any part of it, um, do look up the podcast and you can download it at our website, bfm.my slash Daily Digest or on our BFM app. And um, if you want to get in touch with the Bigger Picture team directly, look us up on our Facebook page at BFM, The Big Picture, you can drop us a line there. Now, coming up uh, at uh, 3pm, after the 3pm news on Live and Learn, is a conversation with Sidpa Salvaranam, uh, who's a lead counsel and uh, Hezrael Ashraf actually spoke to her about the arrest of the superyard equanimity and and, uh, Sidpa is the author of the book, The Arrest of the Superyard Equanimity so I think, um, you know, all of you are very familiar with this name, I'm (laughs) sure and uh, you'll want to stay tuned to um, Hezrael's conversation with sippa so that's coming up after the three o'clock news this has been the daily digest on the bigger picture Bfm 89.9
1: thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes Bfm 89.9 the business station.